mindfulness mode. You belong. These feelings that you're having belong, even though they're really uncomfortable. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness right here on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host and mindfulness life coach, Bruce Langford. Mindful Tribe, you know I'm a musician, and you know I love talking with musicians. I love talking with artists, anybody that embraces the arts. And you know what? We all need to embrace art of some kind. That's what I totally believe. I'm here with a beautiful, beautiful soul. She's got a great smile. And as soon as she came on the Zoom call, I said, oh my gosh, you have my grand piano right behind you. It looks just like my piano. I'm here with Morgan Beard today. Morgan, are you in mindfulness mode? (laughs) I've never felt more like I was in mindfulness mode than this very minute, Bruce. (laughs) That's awesome. That's awesome. It is so exciting exciting to be on the on the call with you and to be interviewing you Morgan. Morgan, let me share with Mindful Tribe a little about you. Morgan Beard uses creativity to heal and empower as a life coach. And this is powerful. I can tell you that to to use creativity to heal. It's so much better than those prescriptions. It really is. I'm, and I'm not a doctor telling you don't take prescriptions, but don't take prescriptions if you can help. <laughs> she received her BA in visual and media studies from Duke University in 2012, and she received her MPS in art therapy. So she became an art therapist in New York City. And wow, doesn't that sound cool? Doesn't that sound amazing? Wow. She's got her, her degree. She's an art therapist in New York City. She was working with elementary school students. This just sounds like a dream come true. But then some things happened and uh, boy, her life came to a screeching halt. We're going to talk about that. We're going to learn about what she did and how she did it and how she moved forward. So let's first start with this, Morgan. What does mindfulness mean to you? Mm. So I luckily work in a space where I get to think about and articulate my definition of mindfulness all the time. And it always helps me kind of refine it because it's always evolving because everyone has such a personal relationship with it. Um, To me, mindfulness is the ability to study your behavior, your world as it's happening from a slightly different vantage point than being totally in the thick of it, um, which the uh, most useful purpose of that is to recognize that we are not our thoughts and we are not our emotions. We are this neutral observer, at least we have the possibility of being a neutral observer in relationship to our thoughts. What do you mean we're not our emotions? (laughs) (laughs) Look, sometimes you could fool me. Like, (laughs) yeah. yeah. I just, for some reason, I thought I'll just ask you that and see what you would say. Oh, and I make that mistake all the time myself, even though I'm, you know, sitting here giving my academic definition of mindfulness. Like yeah. it's, it's a living, breathing practice that you have to constantly kind of be honing and reminding yourself. Yeah. And we also have to remind ourselves to breathe. Mm-hmm. Let's breathe, Morgan. Let's breathe together. Mm, doesn't that feel good? It really ah. does. It never stops yeah. feeling good. It's a gift that I never know, stops giving. <laughs> I know. Sometimes when I breathe, I don't feel like 
it's quite as good as another time oh, when I yes. did some deep breathing yes. or when I laughed and breathed. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had a, a person on earlier, because I've been interviewing all day, mm-hmm. talking about laughter, mm-hmm. yoga laughter. Mm-hmm. And we laughed so much. So I'm oh, pretty happy right amazing. now and pretty relaxed. And this just feels great. Well, what happened back then? What, what was this screeching halt that yeah. happened when you were doing this thing? Yeah, so... The screeching halt is one of what has been many depressive episodes in my life. I've struggled with um, chronic depression since I was 13. Um, that was the mm. first time I really kind of could point to an episode concretely. But, you know, it came and went over the years of my life. You know, I'd be yeah. I'd be on one year, off one year, on a month, off a month. Um, but I did... I, I did in my younger years feel very stuck and very defined, very my emotions. I, I felt I was that depression, you know? Yes. Um, yes. And so after college, I uh, moved to New York City and I started working in an industry that I realized after a couple of years wasn't for me. And then I went back to graduate school because I wanted to work with people on an intimate level. I wanted to help people. I always knew mm-hmm. I wanted to help people mm-hmm. because... I knew what it felt like to need help. Um, yes. So I, I I went back to grad school to get my master's in art therapy. I had been in therapy for several years, regular talk therapy, but mm-hmm. I knew that I had something extra to give or something else I wanted to put in that uh, into that wheelhouse of what I could do. And And I just sort of, it dawned on me that art therapy was a thing. I looked up programs that were in New York and I found an amazing program at the School of Visual Arts. And I learned so much. It was a two-year program. I thought, oh my God, art therapy is my thing. I um, am just getting this tremendous education in how to work with people, how to meet their needs, how to be a great active listener, all this stuff. Um, And of course, learning to be a therapist is also tremendously powerful in terms of your relationship to yourself and your own stuff. Um, so it was just a, an unbelievably useful education. And then, and I enjoyed my internships and then I went into the the actual workforce um, and I took a job at a nursing home and within five months I was suicidal and burnt out. Um, wow. I, I didn't get uh, you know, obviously enough support and, and I was pouring so much. I was pouring all of myself or really more of myself than I had into this very vulnerable population and, and just left, ended up feeling, um, oh my God, I feel so powerless. Um, and so then I, I had to quit and that's not something that I typically like to do. I like to see things through and finish. And I have this very like type a narrative structure in my head of like you must um but it didn't work so i had to confront that um and then i ended up moving across the country to los angeles and um i sort of took a chance on will it make me happy to just be in a place where the sun is shining and there's more nature and and people have a more holistic focus on you know what what is a balanced life and what does healthy mean? And whereas New York, um, I was drinking a lot and uh, you're very tunnel vision on Mm -hmm. your career and career advancement, which has always been a trap for me. So. And so did it work for you then? Yes. I mean, I, 
I've been happier at living in Los Angeles for the past three and a half years than, than I've been, you know, at any previous point in my life. Of course, I still experience ups and downs, you know, um, I, I'm just came out of one. Um, it's been a, it's been a tough fall and I've, I've sort of fallen victim to my own pattern again of putting my mm-hmm. career, just too much weight, too much pressure on my career. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm getting that. And message. how often do you play that piano? <laughs> most days, most days. I do when you? I'm when I'm in town and you know I'm at home, I I do sit down, and I. It's funny that you mentioned that though, because I often think to myself, I'm putting so much pressure on myself to achieve some certain result in music, some sort of external uh, validation or achievement. Mm-hmm. But what I really love is sitting at the piano and just doing whatever, playing around. And I don't want to lose my connection to that flow yeah, in, yeah. you know, uh, at the cost of whatever the, the, the career stuff. Yeah. And so when you do sit down at the keyboard and you just let your hands just do what they want to do and just relax and almost meditate at the keyboard, what comes out? Mm. I mean, it's kind of like, I can say this without tooting my own horn because it's more like I'm a channel for it, but it's magic. You know, it's, it's, it's not even me. Um, and it feels so good to be like the Uh vessel for that. Um, I'm not a very traditionally religious person. I, I was born or I was raised Roman Catholic and absolutely hated it, but wasn't allowed to quit. So I was kind of forced through that. And I, I'm a little bit like, nah, I don't want to be like God of this, God that, but sure. That, power of something beyond you you feel it coming through you and when we can surrender to that and be in that flow state um it's it's incredibly powerful and so you told me at the beginning before i hit record that you're you're looking to use music to help reach people how are you doing that how are you going to do yeah (laughs) so that's a great question i also want to know the answer (laughs) (laughs) but the plan is um i'm working on a four song ep right now so this will be my Uh first my debut album and Uh i'm uh using the vehicle just like i said before of like music coming through me i'm i'm using the vehicle of pop music so catchy lyrics and melodies and uh words that i want to help people identify their emotions to basically channel these very core ideas these very universal human emotions so the concept for the ep is called elemental and each of the songs is one of the elements fire water earth and air Mm. and they're each very catchy in their own way um, and they're inspired, the sounds of it and the idea of it is inspired by the, the natural element itself. Um, and it's a story about recognizing a toxic relationship. And, and that can be, uh, it's an allegory for any kind of relationship. Doesn't have to be a romantic partner. Doesn't even have to be a relationship with a person. Uh, could be a relationship mm-hmm. with a behavior. Um, and getting to that place where you realize you have to let go of it, that it's burned you critically and you have to kind of confront that and and be with the difficult emotions of that. And then through moving through that grief process. So that's water. Water is about letting yourself Mm -hmm. cry, letting it go, letting your emotions rise and come through you. And then earth is about the strength that comes from going through 
that experience and just sort of building brick by brick up again, a better evolved version of yourself. Um, mm -hmm. And air is the liberation that comes from realizing you don't need this thing. Mm -hmm. And fire? Yeah. So fire is the beginning. It's the debut sing signal. It's the, um, it's the, the metaphor for that alluring but dangerous relationship with whatever that addiction might be, that person, whatever. It's it's so hot. It's all consuming. You merge with it. It feels good to merge, but it's also you lose yourself in it. So yeah, fire is the starting point. Have you written the songs yet? Oh yeah. They are all um we're like ninety-five percent of the way through production on them totally. Um I'm I'm also kind of working with uh, making it a visual EP and doing music videos for all of them. Oh. Mm -hmm. And that is just taking so much more. That's a big job. That's a big job. Thank you for saying that. It is a big oh, job. huge. <laughs> huge. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I get caught up in my narrative of like, it's taken so long, you know, mm -hmm. to get here. And when you're not releasing something, you're just holding it back and waiting. It, it gets hard to remember how powerful it can yeah. be because you're just in I your guess. own mind with it. So. so Morgan, are you doing the vocals? Oh yes. Oh, that's my favorite part. You're doing yes, the, yes, the yes. vocals, you're playing the piano. Are there any other instruments on there? Um, lots of live instruments, most of which I'm not playing myself. Um, right. There's every song has uh, bits and pieces of different genres. So there's horns in earth, there's strings uh, in both fire and water. Um, there's bass, there's electric guitar. I try to, because the whole metaphor is um, about harmony with ourselves and and through these natural elements i really want to mm -hmm. i want it to be catchy and i want it to sound contemporary but i really want it to have a raw organic kind of feel to it very good very good it sounds exciting it are really you excited is. by this project it really is when i remember the power it has to touch people and when i get to perform it live for example and i get to feel that energy that's when i get really excited about it it's it's harder to stay excited when i'm slaving over the film editing application mm -hmm. watching it render for 30 minutes <laughs> oh yeah yeah that's slow going so are you doing a lot of that work yourself yeah yeah i mean the nature of being an independent artist is like i honestly don't know how people do it it's yeah. so so much is on your shoulders and you really have to be the engine of of motivation and creation yeah. and shoulder so many different tasks like the not only the right-brained creative kind of flowing flow state tasks which are really important the, what i would call the feminine but then there's so many masculine aspects to the planning and the execution and um strategy and it's a lot. It's a lot to deal with. It is a lot. So, so do you have a date when you're hoping to have this all finished? Um, so I, I did. I'm, I'm shooting for sort of basically the spring of 2020. But what I've been realizing. Just a minute. Spring of 2020? I'm sorry. That Yeah, I want to release it in the past. It's this really new age yeah, process. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I can go with that. I was shooting for the spring of 2020 two years ago. Um, okay. But now 2022. Um, sure. But even giving myself that timeline has stressed me out a lot and has mm -hmm. uh, sort of compromised my ability to do it in a joyful way. Mm. So I'm actually really wrestling with this very live in my, in my, in my life right now of like, can I let go of this self-imposed deadline so that I can actually right. enjoy this process and yeah. make the best art I can make and not feel like, Oh my God, if I don't turn out two more music videos by the end of 2021, it's not going to happen. 
Um, mm -hmm. I still think 2022. Um, and of course mm -hmm. I could release the music without the visuals and uh, add the visuals later. There's with all creative tasks, there's just infinite choice, which can be liberating. Yeah, it can is. be uh, very overwhelming. Which part do you enjoy the most? Is it creating the music, writing the music, making the music happen, or the visuals and the video aspect of it? They're they're so different. Um, yeah, they are. I think I really enjoy both because um, my the other I mentioned before the the reason I moved out to New York originally was to be in the independent film industry because I did a lot of like stuff in okay. film. So there is a part of me that definitely enjoys that, but yeah. I think just when I get the seed of a song and I'm developing it and I'm singing it mm. and I'm playing with it vocally, that's, that's where I'm the most excited. Yeah. Well, how would it feel to you if you were able to just do all that part that you're so excited about and then conjure up some ideas of some visuals and then just have another person and you just kind of <laughs> send them off to them and say, hey, I have this vision. P can you put all this together and make this all work as a video? How would that feel? Yeah. Oof. Scary, Bruce. Got to say. <laughs> yeah. Would that feel pretty amazing? How would that feel in your body when you think about that? Oh, and then you man. could just go on to the next song that you're working on and let that happen in the background. How would that feel? You know, it, it pings a lot of my... Uh, control freak nature of like oh god but you know this this is my art and I wanted to communicate this very specific thing and yada yada but the truth is I was working with someone who was doing a lot of this stuff and then mm -hmm. ironically that relationship was toxic and mm -hmm. I had to get out of that relationship for my overall health and well-being um so sort of the this script or the narrative of the music was telling was advising me on how can I move through this? So I had to let go of that person. She was functioning as my manager. She was functioning as mm -hmm. my creative director. You know, she was right. shouldering a lot of it, but she energetically wasn't on my team. She was sure, mean. She sure. was aggressive and sort of off-putting to people that we worked with and really just mm -hmm. opposite to the spirit of what I see my music doing, which is like touching people on this deep emotional level and having it be this platform for healing. She really didn't want to see that or acknowledge that either. Um, so how much of the anxiety yeah. and the depression in your life do you feel is attributed to that need to control, mm. that need to hold on, that need? How much of it do you think is tied to that? Probably like 88.8%. <laughs> Could you be more specific? <laughs> 8.88-bar. <laughs> yeah, and isn't job. letting go one of the biggest challenges? You know, yeah, it, it it's interesting because it, it totally is, yes. And where I struggle with it in my internal mechanism is mm -hmm. I, I get very black or white about the letting go. Mm -hmm. There's a part of me that feels very liberated by being like, okay, let's let it go, accept things as they are. And, you know, lean into sort of mm -hmm. that, that Buddhist framework of non-attachment, but mm -hmm. the suicide, suicide tendency part of me yeah, yeah. that easily slips into fuck it all. 
F it all, mm-hmm. whatever, yeah. you know, it's all yeah. garbage. Nothing matters. That just this very dark, deep existential place. And sometimes I get very confused or, you know, my emotions point me away from, okay, we're relaxing into, we're surrendering, we're accepting in this very positive, um, enlightened sort of way versus, um, this tendency to throw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak. Yeah. And, you know, it's the most interesting thing. We think letting go is the most complicated thing, but at the same time, it can be the most simple, the most, like, just, I think the the more we overthink it, the more difficult it comes. And then, and then we can let go and look back and think, oh, my gosh, I did that in one fraction of a second. It just happened. Yeah. Have you ever had that experience? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, tell us about it. Yeah. I mean, you can, you can work so hard and try so hard to put so much effort into something um, and feel like, you know, you're moving a millimeter and then other times something just clicks into place and you feel like you've taken a leap. And I think Mm -hmm. both of those subjective experiences of progress are valid, you know, and part of the whole puzzle of moving forward and kind of figuring it out. But man, you wish you could always be in that, that, oh, it just bloop. Um, But yeah, I tell my clients all the time, it's super simple, but it's not easy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, you've got so much vibrancy to share. I can just feel it. And, and, and I think that the more you can just share your artistic genius And not have to worry about all those details, 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 details. The more this universe is going to benefit from what you have to offer. That's a really, really kind um, and really accurate assessment. (laughs) And 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 I'm not saying it to be kind. I'm saying it because I feel it 100. percent I'm just I'm just feeling that from you that you have this incredible glow that's just all around you and. that people just are so hungry for this because, you know, like people are going through so much with this pandemic and everything else. Mm-hmm. They need you. They need that glow. Yeah. And then if you hide and all you're doing, you know, you're just trying to do details, 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 details. You're trying to get this editing. You're trying to do all this stuff. Then you are robbing the rest of us on this planet <laughs> <laughs> from having, having the benefit of of Morgan. Uh, that's yeah. how I feel. Tell yeah. us how tell us how we can get to the root of our emotions. So maybe yeah. you know we're experiencing anger and we just can't figure out why we're just so angry. What can mm-hmm. we do about that? How can we get to the root of it, Morgan? Yes. So as you said earlier that the tendency to overthink and overcomplicate that really gets in the way of us accessing the roots of our emotions. Um, Mm -hmm. We just talk ourselves into these total rabbit holes. And then that pulls us farther and farther from mindfulness, farther and farther from a space where we can acknowledge that we're not our emotions. When we are uh, in touch with our bodies, Mm -hmm. when we are 
an inhabitor and an observer of the sensations in our body. So when we can, instead of going, okay, I'm feeling so angry and so intensely angry. It's like, okay, so that, first of all, that's a moment of mindfulness. You've identified Mm -hmm. that that's what you're feeling. Great. That's where you got to start. But instead of getting lost in um, needing to figure it out from a mental standpoint and, and what are all the reasons that this person's made me angry or all the things I have to be bitter about, it's a tough trap. But the more that you can go, okay, I'm feeling this anger and whatever the reasons are, let me focus for a moment on how does it feel in my body, being a scientist of your emotions um, from a physical standpoint, not a, I'm going to philosophize my way through it. But so for me, when I think about when I feel angry, okay, I feel first, where is it? It's in my chest. What is it in my chest? There's a heat, there's a tension, there's a tightness. And so the more that you can understand it from that feelings level, the more empowered you can be to understand, okay, this is a sensation that I'm experiencing. This, this emotion, whatever the story is around it, it's causing, it's creating this physical feeling in my body. And the more that you can label it, uh, give a color to it, give a texture mm-hmm. to it, see it, really kind of isolate where it is and what it is, the more you have a sense of, okay, it's not this giant amorphous chaos around me that is consuming me because anger can feel like that. A lot of, a lot of my mm-hmm. clients say, I feel like I'm so angry. I can't even get to a root of it. Yeah, It's like, okay. Cause they're spinning around this sort of outer layer of it and in the headstorm of it. But if you get your body relaxed and you let yourself get to the center or as close to the center as you can get, and notice that we can actually survive it just by being with it. It cracks something open. Um, it, it makes us feel like, okay, we could reach out and touch it and hold it in our hand. And holding it in your hand makes it a lot less scary than feeling like you are absolutely drowning in it. And we've all certainly felt both. Um, and so changing your relationship to it, I think that's, really, really key because it shrinks it, it calms it, and it opens up room for a dialogue with it. And that's where I feel a lot of huge transformation happens. I've experienced it with myself, I've experienced it with my clients, friends, whoever. Um, If you can enter into that compassionate, curious dialogue, once it's not totally consuming you, then you might be able to hear it has a little message for you. Maybe that anger is really saying, I feel stepped on. I feel small. I feel scared. And you can see that beneath the layer of anger, there's fear, there's sadness, there's hurt. And, you you know, it's like if you, what's, what's a metaphor that I can just use on hand for this? Okay. If you finish a jigsaw puzzle, right, you're looking at like a two-dimensional image. And so initially your anger might look like, okay, this is what it is. But if you zoom in, it's made up of all these little interlocking pieces. 
And in order to break it down and really understand what it is at that material level, you have to look at, okay, there's this piece, there's that piece. And then maybe it's not as um, intimidating if you chunk it down that way. Um, and emotions, emotions want to pass through us. They don't want to be stuck in our tissues. No, they don't. But it's hard for us to let them because it's yeah. so uncomfortable to feel. We really can feel that we might die. Some of them really make us feel like we're going to die if we let mm -hmm. ourselves feel it too much. That's um, right. Yeah. You have so much wisdom. You just have so much insight and so much wisdom. Your your coaching clients are very fortunate people. Thank I you. can say that. Thank you. Because they've they've connected with you. I've worked in bullying prevention for a long time, oh, Morgan, yeah. and I always like to ask a question about this because to me it's so closely connected to mindfulness. Do you have a story about bullying where mindfulness would have made a difference? Oof. Such a good question. Yeah. Um, I think, I guess, uh, all right. So I'll tell, I'll tell like a personal story um, okay. and then I'll see where it leads us. Cause I think that's more interesting than if I say, well, generally blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah. So uh, when I was in maybe, maybe eighth grade, of course, mm -hmm. classic, the most, pretty much the most sensitive time of anyone's life. Yeah. Um, I had a friend who, uh, when she initially came into our school at like seventh grade, we were close. And then later on, she kind of stopped, we, we stopped connecting. She, it seemed like she was kind of pulling away. She was entering this, mm -hmm. uh, other, like more popular group of girls at my school. And I didn't, I didn't understand. I kept reaching out and just kind of kept getting nothing. And when I was uh, that age, AIM or like instant messenger was a big thing. So we would be like, you know, on our computer after school, you come home, you like put your backpack down and you log on. And it's like, and you know, all your friends are there and it's exciting to have those conversations. So one day I came home from school and this friend uh, chats me and, you know, I'm all excited because I'm, uh, I'm like, oh, great. Like I have this opportunity again to, to connect with her. And she invites me to hang out, da, da, da. And then uh, I find out that it's actually her friend on the keyboard uh, telling me all of this and lying to me and posing as that girl. Uh, and she didn't know. And then, you know, I found out and was totally crushed. Um, I, I, I think in that moment, it was something that was confirming something I already was afraid about myself, which was that no one wants to be my friend. I grew up as an only child with older parents. Um, and so I was a very like lonely kid and I was always hungry for, for social connection with my peers. Um, and so I was so vulnerable to rejection, to, uh, pranks to insults, all of those things. Um, and you, you assume that other people's mean actions toward you are a reflection of you, your worthiness. Um, they kind of just wiggle their way into whatever wound you happen to already have from previous interactions. 
And mine was that no one wants to be, no one wants to spend time with me. I'm unworthy of other people's time and, you know, of connecting with. And this went right to that and supported that. And it was this really mean, like yank the carpet out from under me kind of yeah. way of conveying that. Um, and then on top of that, there was the shame and the embarrassment of, oh, I bought into that this connection was reopening and now yeah. it's shut again. Um, I, I think that the, it's very hard to remember to put this lens on in those moments where you feel so wounded by other people's actions. But knowing that, like I said before, 88.88 bar percent of the things that people do to us or, you know, interactions that happen around us have nothing to do with us. You know, it's yeah. their hurt. They're, they're so struggling true. to express their emotions or they're wrestling with feeling like they don't belong. Um, and we make the mistake of thinking, oh, they caught me. They caught me in the exact wound that I'm afraid of. Most afraid is true. Um, but, you know, we, we're in those, we're, we're these like so uh, socially reliant creatures, human beings, and we crave belonging and we crave uh, social connection as a means for survival status, all these things that are hardwired into us. And so we, it's easy to slip. It's easy to slip into that trap and forget that, you know, it's, it's not a direct message about our worthiness. It's not a direct message about, yeah, who, we are this emotion or we are always going to be rejected, always yeah. going to be on the outside. Yeah. Wow. What a powerful story. Wow. Morgan, as we move forward in the interview, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. So just 30 second answers are perfect. Right, First one is go. this, who is one person who has been a powerful mindfulness influence in your life? Mm, one person who has been a powerful. Okay. So, um, I, spontaneously uh, met this woman who uh, worked and happened to work out of the same office building that I worked out of. And she, she was the super spunky British woman. And she would just went on and on and on and on about transcendental meditation. And mm -hmm. from her enthusiasm, you know, she would be like, if I had discovered TM when I was your age, I'd be the prime minister by now. It's a terrible accent, <laughs> but, um, and she was just someone who exuded this enthusiasm for it. and I had to try it and that led me down the path of doing TM and really like was kind of my first my first example of mindfulness that really stuck mm -hmm. so yeah she and she's actually still in my life so oh that's yeah. cool that's really really cool so tell me this how has mindfulness affected your emotions or how you deal with mm -hmm. your emotions you've already talked about that quite a bit but yeah, can you sure. sum it up Yes. How has mindfulness affected my emotions? Um, um, it makes my emotions feel more tangible, more tolerable. Um, it, it makes me feel like I can go through life with them, even when I don't like them. Um, and it just kind of gives me an added layer of like muscle or strength, yeah. you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I do know. Tell <laughs> us about breathing. What's breathing do for you in your Ooh, life? Breathing. So I use breathing a lot with my clients. I, I use it 
when I'm ramping up to a meditation or a visualization that I guide them through. And I usually do that kind of spontaneously feeling what, whatever is coming up for them. But breathing is one of the most powerful tools for getting to someone to turn the volume down on what's happening outside of them and transition into experiencing what's happening inside of them. And I usually have this dual kind of, uh, these dual, uh, the word I'm looking for anchors of Mm -hmm. one is feel the solidness of the earth underneath you, which is this totally stable, uninterrupted, unchanging force. And that can be comfortable and grounding for people. And then tune into the breath, which is this continually flowing, changing, um, energy, very different. And it's kind of like, if you can keep one foot in one and one foot in the other, you can balance life, which is some things are very secure and slow and unmoving and other things are constantly changing. And if you can find footing with both of those forces, then you've really got it all. You've really got both poles. Wow. Yeah. So well put. (laughs) Thank you. Is there a book that you can recommend that can help our listeners, Mindful Tribe with Oh my God. I was so excited for you to ask this question because I just finished going on being by Mark Epstein. Have you read it? No, I haven't. <gasps> oh, good. Oh my gosh. It's so good. So, uh, Mark Epstein is a, uh, is he a psychologist or a psychiatrist. I don't remember if he's doctor or not, whatever. Um, he has a mm-hmm. couple books, uh, but this one I, I just read, it was actually a gift from the, the woman who introduced me to TM. Um, And it's called Going On Being, and he does a fabulous job of combining the language of uh, Buddhist teaching and psychology. And I am someone who is really interested in both and thinks both are really important avenues for understanding uh, from an an intellectual standpoint, uh, Mm -hmm. but also feeling, being, and kind of that, that Zen, more Zen mode of like, you just be and but that your psychologist, you're just in your mind sometimes. And you're like, your little psychologist is like, but what, I, I don't understand. Like, tell me, I need a principle. And he just, he does <laughs> such a great job of like anecdotally um, and seamlessly translating between those two languages in a way that brings them together, like this yin and yang. Um, I had so many profound profound moments and realizations reading that book. So I highly, highly recommend it. If any of that sounds interesting to you. I can't wait to read this book going on being, I just can't wait. I I just, some of the best books, most awesome books I read are just because of moments like this where Mm -hmm. my interviewees, you know, tell me about a book and I'm like, gotta get it. Yes, please. And let me know what you think if you do read it. I'd love to hear your thoughts. And what about an app? Are there any apps at all that you would recommend? Yes. Okay. So, um, when I was doing, uh, I, I trained as a volunteer for the suicide crisis line, which I did for a year or two, um, when I first moved to LA and this is more, this is less of a mindfulness app. Um, and more of a, uh, if you're feeling like that rock bottom depressed, it's called my three, the number three. And basically what you do, uh, is you put in your three people that you would call when you need support your three activities you would do uh, if you needed to kind of calm down and you were feeling really depressed. And so basically what it does is it just is a collector for these very simple 
uh, very tangible things that come in handy when you are feeling on that edge of, am I going to hurt myself? I need to, I need mm-hmm. some touch points. Um, and so you fill it out ahead of time. And then when you're feeling that it's all there for you and it's like, who are you going to call? Bang, 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 this person, what are you going to do? Bang, 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 these three things. And when you're in those moments where you're overwhelmed by emotion, it can be really helpful to have those concrete touch points. And also to know that you've gone in and prepared that for yourself. It's this very simple again, but profound, um, profound act of self-care that you can pre-prepare for. Very good. Very good. And I've never heard of that app, so I can't wait to check it out. Yeah. My three with the number three and all of this will be in our show notes at mindfulnessmode.com. So mindful tribe, check it out. And if someone listening today is feeling that way, Mm -hmm. feeling anxiety, feeling discouraged, feeling Mm -hmm. like they're not grounded. What words of advice would you have for them, Morgan? Yeah. I think the first thing, which I always forget to say, is first, you're not alone. You are not alone. You belong. These feelings that you're having belong, even though they're really uncomfortable. Um, I think that it's, it's, it's important not just to give advice because that can imply like, oh, this person hasn't thought of this or this person is inadequate because they haven't done X, Y, or Z. But really just understanding these are experiences we all go through. You're not like way off the deep end. You're having a human experience. And then um, the concrete advice that I would give um, is trying those two poles of grounding your feet on the floor, really feeling the surfaces as granular as you can get in terms of like the outermost layer of skin of each toe touching each surface of the floor that you're on your the seat like you're feeling your left butt cheek feeling your right butt cheek and really getting as in touch with like a hundred percent immersing yourself in your physical sensation and awareness of your environment and your body in it I think for anxiety, that's the most helpful thing because we tend to ramp up and ramp up and ramp up in our heads and we're engaging that sympathetic nervous system that's like telling us the same story and it's getting faster and it's in my heart, my heart rate's racing and I can't breathe and da 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 um, So tuning into a grounding energy, a mindfulness exercise, like feeling each toe, one out of 10 toes at a time, that kicks in the parasympathetic nervous system, which is uh, bringing us down, de-escalating. Um, and I think that that is uh, really key for just that that acute moment of anxiety. If you're having more uh, existential anxiety where you're more kind of just overwhelmed with life. Whew. You know, the advice that I... I want to give to myself when I'm in this position too. And so therefore that's probably the right advice to give. Cause I like to check my, check my advice against my own experience. Um, do something fun, go play, like take, take the pressure of figuring it all out off, get yourself into a different mindset, something that just, you know, uh, can't coexist with that fear state. Like the, the chemically in your brain, the experience of 
uh, feeling love, feeling play, feeling creativity is like just inherently different from the part of your brain that's, that's processing fear and, you know, running through all those scripts. So if you can take that conscious step to choose to do something that puts you into that different framework, you'll feel a lot differently, um, down the road. It can be hard though. It can be hard to like actively pull yourself out because you, your, your fear is telling you like, no, I have to grind through this. Like, or, or I don't deserve to do something fun, blah, 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 blah. That's some bullshit. <laughs> Just remember yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Morgan, you have given us so much insight, so much wisdom. I appreciate having you on the show so much. It's just been great. Thank you so much for being on Mindfulness Mode. Oh, it was my pleasure, Bruce, really. And thank you so much for the gift that you're giving um, everyone by just sharing yourself and speaking and sharing your energy. Like I was just so moved by the podcast episode that I had listened to and you're just doing such great work and I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Morgan. It's been so great talking to you. It really has. And morganbeard.coach is your website. Morganbeard, B-E-A-R-D, just like it sounds, morganbeard.coach, not .com, but .coach. Tell us what we would see when we go to your website, Morgan. Yes. Yeah, so actually at the, this exact moment, what you're going to see is a, uh, a landing page promoting a program that I'm doing with another fabulous coach called Rock Your Stress. And it's all about um, how to develop that super confident rock star persona through mindfulness, visualization, meditation, all of that. But if you just want to go right to like me, my work, what can I do for you? Um, you can click on the, you know, the link at the top that just be your home, morganbeard.coach slash home. And that'll be a bio of me to let you know, like, what have I been through? Why should you bother talking to me about it? You know, what the heck do I know? Um, and really ultimately just um, many opportunities to book a call with me because I think that getting on the phone and, and getting that sense of what's the composite energy between us, that's the best way really to, to know if, if what about my vibe is going to be good for you. Um, there's also some, some tools, there's a self-assessment quiz, just some things that you can, um, kind of chew on and nibble on if you, if you just want to taste, um, or you want to get a, get a chance to kind of know what might it be like to work with me, but yeah, I mean, absolutely, if you're listening to this and anything I'm saying is resonating with you, I would love to talk to you. Even if we don't work together, I just love connecting with people. Well, Morgan, I've enjoyed connecting with you. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Morgan. It's really been my pleasure. Thank you, Bruce. Okay, bye now. Hey, Mindful Tribe, thanks for checking out the episode today. Oh, I wanted to suggest check out my profile on LinkedIn and I'd love to connect with you there. So just type in Bruce Langford on LinkedIn and uh, have a look at, at what I've been posting. And hey, I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thanks again for listening and take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus and happiness. Stay in the mode. <laughs>